hello and welcome back to uh, Wokademia, my podcast through the uh, Salem Center for Policy at the University of Texas at Austin. We're very happy today to have Charles Negi, uh, I believe I'm pronouncing that approximately correctly, good, uh, on. He is a once and future associate professor of psychology at the University of Central Florida, having gone through uh, quite, quite an ordeal for the past year and a half that he'll tell us about, and we're very grateful that he's taken the time to come on and uh, and chat with us. So, uh, Charles, if I could just ask you, give us a little background on you know on the story, just for any listeners who haven't heard. Okay. Well, I, I teach controversial courses at UCF, University of Central Florida. The courses are cross-cultural psychology and human sexuality. And I'm a very data-driven professor. I don't have any agenda. I'm not trying to promote any ideology. I just, in my cross-cultural class, which is probably my, probably my most controversial course, I just try to describe the different groups that we look at, the good and the bad, and even the ugly, as it pertains to them based on data. And that includes white Americans uh, as well. So I've always had individuals from a few different groups who are not accustomed in this country of having anyone critique their group. So they've always complained, but I've always been supported by the university. Um, and then of course, the, the week George Floyd died, uh, I was, and when the country was going crazy, I was tweeting some things in, in response to what I was seeing on the news. And one of the things I tweeted was, I questioned whether systemic racism is really a true phenomenon as people say it is. And just for your listeners to know, I'll tell you what I said specifically on Twitter. I said, sincere question. If African-Americans on average have the same behavioral profile as Asian-Americans, parentheses, being the most educated, earning the most money, and committing the least crime, into parentheses, would we still be proclaiming that systemic racism is real? plus another tweet in which I used the phrase black privilege. I was responding to someone else's article or Twitter comment. Those two tweets really got the ire of people. So a social mob seems to be mostly affiliated with Black Lives Matter descended upon me and the university and they demanded that I be fired. Now, one month prior to this, we had just acquired a new president and his, he made it clear from day one, his explicit goal in coming to UCF was to, to promote diversity, equity, and inclusion across the entire campus. And I had already sent him a, a letter because I saw what he was doing already making a big deal about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I'm quite familiar with that ideology and I think it's pretty toxic. I welcomed him to the university. I told him I'm pro-minority. I'm a minority myself. I'm half Hispanic. I'm gay. So I've been, I've been advocating for minority rights all my adult life. I said, but I'm familiar with this ideology and it's very toxic. And so I'm hoping that at some point you and I can sit down and chat over this ideology. He didn't respond, but a month later after my tweets went viral and problematic. Uh, I think he took the opportunity 
to, to try to purge me from the university. So what he did was he's out there protesting with students on campus and he's agreeing, agreeing with another student on video, we have this, that I should have been fired before I got tenure. And this, before, this is before he even knew whether there's any validity to the complaints that the students were proclaiming. They were saying that I say the same quote unquote racist things in class that I say on Twitter. Well, the problem is my comments on Twitter and my comments in class are not racist, just controversial. Nonetheless, uh, UCF, I'm sure at his order, launched a massive investigation into my entire 22 year career at UCF. And they went again, all the way back as far as they can. They solicited massively, they solicited complaints about me through, in all my classes in the past uh, to the current 60 plus thousand students that are on campus. And they cobbled together uh, enough things that they thought if they could put them together and put a negative twist on everything, it would justify firing me. So they fired me six months later. And uh, I elected to go through the grieving process with our union because the union would provide me a free attorney. And uh, the arbitrator last Wednesday finally made his ruling and he said there was no just cause to fire me and that UCF had to reinstate me and give me full back pay and benefits. That's where we're at right now. So kind of a happy ending, except you had to go through a year and a half of serious unpleasantness. The people who inflicted it, as far as I can tell, nothing's going to happen to them, I imagine, as far as like. Well, I've left out all the human suffering in that year and a half. Yeah. I, had, I had Black Lives Matter from UCF protest at my home with six sheriff cars in front of my home to protect me. I had to sell my home right away. Um, we're normally entitled to six months notice and six months pay if they plan to fire us, unless there's some just cause for that. And the university trumped up a just cause. So they gave me seven business days notice that they were cutting off my salary and firing me. So the first time in my 30 year, almost 30 year uh, career, because I was a professor I found myself without a paycheck. So I had to put my home on the market because I couldn't keep up the house without my paycheck. And I want your viewers to register how difficult it is to go find a place to rent when you have to tell the landlord that you just got fired and you don't have any income. So um, the other humiliating things that made me clear out my office, I was escorted by a police throughout the campus to get to my office and to get back to my car and escorted off the campus, et cetera, as if I was a, a threat to the community. So, yeah. So I think that that's a, a good, I mean, sorry, that's a horrible thing, but it's a good segue because uh, you mentioned the DEI. And I think a lot of people don't understand what DEI really means and particularly what inclusion means. Because what you just described is exactly, as far as I can tell from reading and digging into the material, that's exactly what they mean by inclusion, right? If you, and now you're technically, you know, 
you think maybe you're a marginalized person because you, of your identity characteristics, but you lack a critical consciousness. So you're not marginalized and you made marginalized people feel uncomfortable. So the concept of inclusion, as I understand it, maybe you have a different understanding, is therefore you must be tormented to no end. Is that, do you think that's a fair description of the it philosophy? Is. It is. I can elaborate a little bit, at least from my perspective. The ideology for the who embrace DEI proclaim it's pro-minority and they're pro-minority and they look like they're good people, but it's not really pro-minority, it's pro-ideology. And anyone who's a minority, you said I'm technically a minority, I, I think I'm a minority, I have a husband. <laughs> um, but I mean, from their, the technically from their perspective, they don't care. it doesn't count because you're yeah. not no. critically because conscious. I right? because, I won't because I won't submit to that ideology. Yeah. But just it becomes clearer to people if you think of conservative black people, you know, Thomas Sowell, uh, Shelby Steele, um, John McCorder, I'm not sure, Glenn Lowry, who how they're treated and called ugly racist names, all because, and keep in mind, all those people I just mentioned are black, but they don't conform to this ideology. So the ideology does not really care about minorities, the ideology cares about promoting the, the race-based Marxist ideology. And so diversity in reality is kind of code word for anti-white, anti-Western culture. Uh, equity is really illegal. It's just flat out illegal. The idea that we can discriminate against some groups to show favoritism to other groups is clearly unethical and illegal. And then inclusion, they're the most exclusive people you'll ever find on the planet. They're not very welcoming of people from a variety of groups, provided they don't, if they don't submit to that ideology in a huge way. Whites, men, heterosexuals, cisgender, uh, Republicans, conservative, evangelical Christians. That's a lot of people that I just mentioned that are, are not welcome in, from these individuals. Um, so it's those kind, those nice sounding words, diversity, equity, inclusion are not nice at all. Yeah, and this is it, it, what I've known, when you actually read the policies, the DEI policies, and you read the ideas behind them, this comes out pretty clearly. But then like when you take this to say university president and confront him at the faculty council, it's like, oh, well, if you don't like inclusion, that means you want marginalized people to feel uncomfortable. That's your problem. What's wrong with you? Like, I mean, I, I got the videos for that one if you want to see them. Uh, but it, you know, it is—it's a remarkable combination of this like really toxic ideology, but like well packaged so that they could call you the problem, even though that you know when you dig into the paper, it's like yeah, we—if you dig into the policies, it's like you could pretty much clearly this is a ban on hiring Republicans, right? So it's a—it's a bit frustrating that. Well, well, that's one. That's only one group. Yeah, I mean, discriminated that is discriminated against um, for people who claim to be opposed to binary thinking. They're very binary in their thinking. <laughs> um, you're either a racist or you're anti-racist. You can't be anything in between. You can't just be a, a nice person to make sure that you don't engage in racism. Um, so, yeah. uh, and also the idea that you're they're blaming whites for every problem or challenge that blacks and Hispanics have, which is a very binary way of thinking very childish way of thinking too. Well, human behavior are complicated and to think that you can ex 
explain complicated things like criminal behavior, gang activity, out of wedlock uh, birth and um, poor performance in school to think you can blame all of that on just a, a racial group. One racial group is responsible for all that that occurs in another racial group is just unbelievable, unbelievable. But the fact of the matter is this is a religion. This is a religion. The sooner we understand that, the better. And you know how religions are. I have to take them by faith, on faith. You can't question anything. And the more you question, the more likely you're going to be ostracized and purged from the quote unquote community. So this is what we're up against. And it's a force to reckon with. Oh my God, it has taken hold in this culture and this country. And I'm not sure I have all the answers or any of the answers on how to get ourselves back to being a regular country. Yeah, so the, yeah, now on that, you're in Florida. And if there's one place where there seems to be political will to push back on some degree of insanity, it, 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 arguably it would be Florida, but here, all of this plays out in this state with where all this rhetoric, what, you know, why is it that this can happen at a, it's a public university in Florida, right? So how is it this something that still take, like the person who appoints the president at some level is reporting up to the Florida government. So how, how do we end up with a religion that hates the people who run the Florida government running roughshod over faculty at a state institution in Florida. Do you have any ideas? So I'm not a very political person, even though I follow politics, but uh, I'll do my best to give you my impression of how complicated the situation is. So DeSantis, Governor DeSantis, has passed a, a, a bill, meaning it's an executive order, I think, I think called the uh, Parental Rights Bill. And the, in the bill, it simply says that in kindergarten through third grade, just that little range of grades, kindergarten through third grade, it prohibits teachers from talking about sex, sexual orientation, and gender ideology to students. And it's true that according to polls, the majority of people in Florida support that. There's many people who are opposed to that. And even Disney, which is a big enterprise here in Central Florida, they came out opposed to the parental rights bill. And they jump on this bandwagon of renaming it, calling it the Don't Say Gay Bill, which makes it sound like it's an oppressive bill of some sort. So, DeSantis has his work cut out for him just to maintain a bill that prohibits kindergarten through third grade teachers from engaging in this toxic ideology. Mm. And his, he can't, I'm gonna say this from an ignorant point of view because I'm not a politician. On one hand, he can't tell universities to stop promoting this ideology because we have free speech and academic freedom at the university level. On the other hand, he does control the budget at public universities. 
And all these public universities in Florida have hired probably at least on average 100 diversity officers who are not scholars. They're not really teaching necessarily in the class. They're just there in different departments to enforce this ideology. So I would think he could let it be known that either they fire all these diversity officers or he's gonna cut the budget dramatically. But I almost think he'd be going nuclear. That'd be an uproar because universities have become cesspools, just utter cesspools um, with, I'm gonna use the word half, which I don't know if it's 50% or not. Half the professors are totally on board with this racist, toxic, bullshit ideology. And the other half, again, I don't know if it's 50%. They're scared to death that if they come forward questioning this or challenging it, not only will they be ostracized and mistreated by their colleagues, but the administration may come after them like they did to me. So communism, I've been to Cuba and to China, and I've seen firsthand how scared the people are to step outside a certain range of within the conversation to criticize the government because the, the fear is real and the consequences are real. And it is, it's, it's remarkable. It only takes a few, it takes, you know, your case and then Josh Katz getting fired in a similar situation or it sounds like he's gonna get fired at Princeton. That can put in a lot of intimidation, just a few of these cases because faculty are very risk averse. And, you know, it, it, and it's remarkable that nobody Nobody seems to have any interest in turning the tables and creating fear amongst the administrators. Like, what, you know, why is it that the president of UCF is perfectly safe? We have people, you know, the president of the University of North Texas here is like viciously attacking students for speaking out. And they're, they're fine. No one has any interest in sort of making their lives slightly more difficult. Whereas, you know, you have to find a place to live and nobody comments. Sorry, I'm maybe rambling, but it's oh, your point's well taken. somebody your needs well taken. to change the calculation here. Um, this group of people are very militant, very authoritarian. It's, it's their way or the highway, and they are committed to destroying anyone who gets in their way, and they're vicious. And so it's going to be a situation where either we're going to have to stand up and become vicious ourselves, or... We've, we're going to lose the country. We're going to lose the country. And I, I, what I notice is that anytime anyone proposes any pushback, it's like, oh no, we don't want to interfere with the DEI officer's academic freedom or something. It's like, ah, you can't, you can't make academic freedom a one-sided thing. If, if they're mm -hmm. not going to mm -hmm. give us, you know, if the critical race theorists who we keep promoting like crazy, I mean, our two of our top five people now on our sort of university-wide tenure committee are like hardcore critical race theorists. And you can't like, can't say we have academic freedom and you know we shouldn't be interfering with that like, but but yeah i get frustrated well, that the governments well, don't come in and do something about this they're they're but liars they're, and they're liars and hypocrites too the people who support this ideology so ucf in their public statement about my being reinstated said they stand even though they're going they're going to respect the arbitrator's ruling that they stand by their charges against me because I'm not permitted to impose my personal beliefs in class about religion, race, and sex. Oh. 
Shit, half the professors are imposing their personal beliefs on the Just students. look at the syllabuses. I mean, they just say it flat out. This, this is this class about how everyone is oppressing you. And, uh, yeah, and yeah, I know. So I know. So that they're fine cool. with they're fine with imposing personal beliefs in class as long as it conforms to their ideology. But when it doesn't, all of a sudden, oh my God, they're so con concerned with fairness and objectivity and yeah, and it isn't. And again, if you dig into their materials, like, you know, it's not. They're not going outside of their principles to do this. Their principles that they've written down are: yes, you should lie and misrepresent everything. So one of my favorite quotes that I I've heard about from some of this types of critical race theory training they do is: don't let facts get in the way of effectiveness. If you can promote the interest of a marginalized group, like. We're paying people to come and teach our faculty that here, by the way. Uh, and it is, you know, it's that, that constant lying on top of the destructive ideology just seems to really, I don't know, it doesn't seem like something we ought to be tolerating at a place that's dedicated to the search for truth. <laughs> it's complicated, as you know. I mean, we've, we've allowed most universities to just keep um, growing and growing their administration over the decades. I mean, we got a bigger, more people in administration than we have professors at UCF. How did that happen? Why do we need them? Because they, once they get in a position, then they start looking for one of their friends to bring on board to be an assistant of what their title is. And it's just, they're, they're like, it's like the university is there to serve administrators. Mm -hmm. um, it's just unbelievable, unbelievable. So what do we do from here? What could we do? Do we create new things? Do we try to take the institutions back? Do we just disappear and hope that it all blows over? I mean, it's not going to blow over. It's not. Um, we have been asleep at the wheel, and the College of Education has been pumping out people for decades with this ideology, and we didn't know it until now. Um, so I've noticed myself in the last five years before I got fired that the incoming students beca have become more and more intolerant, know-it-alls. They, they only have a high school degree and they're completely ignorant about the whole world. And that's not a crime because most of us, when we enter college, we, I didn't know much when I entered college, but they seem to think that their views are so damn correct. And if anyone disagrees with them, then you must be the, the bad guy, the bigot, et cetera. I've noticed that coming, becoming more and more of the case leading up to when I got fired. So they're getting this bullshit ideology that, that they're on the right side of history, that they know what's, what they, they think they know so much, like slavery, they're so damn provincial. I think whites were the only people on the planet who practiced slavery. All 12 million slaves that came to the new world were rounded up and captured by black Africans. All of them. That's documented quite a bit. Even Henry Louis Gates, the head of the African-American studies department at Harvard, he has made a video letting it be known that based on his extensive research and to his chagrin, all black African slaves were already were captured by blacks and sold. But these people don't care. They just think it's something that, like, it's like Nicole Hannah-Jones. I pointed out to her, she's the author of the 1619 Project. I said, why is it you're so fixated on what whites have done? That's only half the equation. 
They bought them from black Africans who rounded up all these people. What did she do? She said, she asked me in a Twitter, where do you work at? Boss, <laughs> where do you work at? That ignorant woman, her goal at the time was to try to contact my university to see if she can cause problems for me. That's so anti-intellectual, it's not even funny. And this is the type of people we're dealing with. Yeah, and this is, you know, uh, this is, uh, it's so frustrating to talk to people who, when you, when you point out, you know, this doesn't seem like something that can take place at the same place as actual inquiry. Like you can't have people like Nicole Hannah Jones and also have a functioning university. So, you know, when, you know, they, they're taking away the accreditation of the journalism school at UNC for lack of enthusiasm, they eventually gave her, offered her a job, but for lack of enthusiasm for bringing in someone whose idea of debate is get the person who disagrees with me fired, even uh -huh. though if it's uh -huh. factual, we can't so, keep falling back on, we have to respect their academic freedom if that's what they're gonna do to us every single time. The universities have lost their purpose in life. The purpose is to pursue truth the best that we can, but no, that's not the purpose anymore. The purpose is to promote uh, agendas, activism, et cetera. Yeah. They they, they, they ask, don't hide me, it, and we don't do a thing about it, huh? You asked me earlier what we've done. Uh, well, one option is to have, uh, for every state, if it were to be possible, and it's not possible, to have a Governor DeSantis who is willing to try to impose some restrictions on this ideology, at least within K through 12. And we, could, we might be successful with, I'm going to use the word half again, half the states in the country. Uh, they're not going to go for it because they're democratically led states. The other is lawsuits. Lawsuits may, for the time being, before Yale law students come of age and scrap the U.S. Constitution, lawsuits might send a message to universities that they can't continue doing some of, some of this. Uh, UCF, where I'm at, just lost a lawsuit from the 11th Circuit Court that ruled that their harassment slash discrimination policy that really translates into if you offend a student who's from a marginalized group, you are guilty of harassment or discrimination. The 11th Circuit Court just told April 21st, so almost a month ago, or roughly a month ago, UCF that they have to stop applying that because that policy actually chills free speech and violates people's First Amendment rights. We'll see if UCF respects that. I've, I've been told they have put on hold that enforcing that policy, but it's lawsuits like that and lawsuits that I'm about to file against UCF that might push back some on this nonsense. The problem I see with some of these lawsuits, though, is like the worst case scenario for the administrator is, oh, well, I tried to do this crazy thing that I would have had fun doing. Someone had to burn a bunch of money fighting me in court and they won. And so I don't get to do this crazy thing. It, it, does, it seems like until it starts actually impacting, like, why, why is that not a, you know, oh, the, the uh, appeals court determined that you violated the U.S. Constitution at a public university. How is that not automatically fire? everyone associated with it like yeah. how do we not how is that not just the default that <laughs> just seems like a, the minimum thing that should happen to somebody who pursued an unconstitutional speech policy 
is you don't get to be at a university anymore. But well, the guy I think his name is I hope I'm not misspeaking John Ellis who wrote a book mm -hmm. breakdown of higher education. Okay, so he's short on um, prescription, but he's high on diagnosis. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So he diagnoses the problem pretty well that, you know, the board of trustees, they're into the status. They don't want to rock the boat. They want to make sure they're still on the board of trustees. And they're on the board of trustees at some major university. Uh, and the president, he's well connected to. And so it's like the, the, there's a, no one wants to, I mean, we're gonna have to turn the apple cart over. Mm -hmm. to put it mildly mm -hmm. no one wants to do that no one wants to do that everyone's just too comfortable and it's not them having to find a new place to live with the sheriffs protecting them right. it's and some say, and, professor they couldn't care less about because he doesn't go to the country club that's um, right and I, I would say they're not playing with their own money either mm -hmm. so unless we can deny get a judge to deny them qualified immunity mm -hmm. um, then they just think it's a joke yeah. Now, there was uh, there was that incident at uh, Gibson Bakery at Oberlin where that's starting to look like almost real money, right? There's, a, I think, a $30 million judgment or so. So, you know, you get about 20 of those at a university and maybe they start paying attention, huh? Um, you would Although it's still not their own money, so. That's right. Not to mention, I think I've read where they have over a billion dollars in the endowment. So yeah, so it, yeah, might not be that big of a hit for them. Who knows? But twenty of them might be. You start talking about six hundred. I mean, it's really got to be that scale yeah, for anyone yeah, to actually notice the amount they'll pay. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Well, but I mean, at least you have your job back. That's something, right? For the time being, until they come after you again. All right, and yeah. And hopefully someone will wake up and realize that people who actually stick their neck out and do something and take these people on need to be protected instead of only protecting the very quiet, polite pseudo conservatives who run their little fig leaf centers. <laughs> Sorry. Here's, something, want to hear something funny. Sure. The head of the union, the head of the, our union, not locally, but in Tallahassee, Florida, sent me a message congratulating me on getting my job back and said she just wants to recommend that I go back and keep my head low and be quiet and don't draw too much attention to this so that I can not embarrass the university and go back to work with no problem. Mm. I, I called her and said, are you out of your mind? <laughs> out of your mind? They were fine calling all the attention they could to what a racist professor they had on campus and how dangerous he was and now that they lost, they want me to go back and be quiet about this. Uh-uh, I'm going back and I'm going to be openly opposing diversity, equity, inclusion. I'll be calling for the president to be fired. And of course, I'll be suing the university really quickly. Oh, that's very good. Um, I'm glad to hear that. And I hope that people recognize that this, you know, it, you know, it may be a small thing, but at least this is somewhere, you know, some support here could be handy, right? Like, you know, this is the sort of thing that'll move, not, you know, one more op-ed in some fancy newspaper about how academic freedom must be protected at all cost doesn't do a lot of good. No. And funding the people who write those compared to like taking care of the people who actually put the put themselves on the line. I know where I, you know, if I had any money, I know where I put my money. <laughs> but, uh, 
anyway, uh, uh, that's about um, time. So Charles, thank you so much for coming on and hopefully things will settle down, but I kind of doubt it. So we may have to circle back again. Okay, I'll be happy to be on your program again too. Thank you. Thank you, bye-bye.